morning. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Bibb, and a warm welcome to any guests or visitors joining us these, this day. Please know you're always welcome here at Trinity Lutheran Church. As we gather here on this rainy 11th Sunday after Trinity, and as Luther suggests, we should let the rain always be a reminder of our baptism. That is, that we are baptized, washed in the blood of Christ as he has joined water uh, to his word of promise. And then in that holy sacrament, given us all the gifts of the cross, forgiveness, life, and salvation. Well, I will direct your attention to the inside of the back cover of your bulletin, the Focused on Christ section, where we have a summary of our readings for the day. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. For unlike Abel, Cain's offering did not proceed from a heart that revered and trusted in the Lord. Thus, the lowly tax collector who prayed, God be merciful to me, a sinner, was the one who went down to his house justified before God, not the respectable, outwardly righteous Pharisee who trusted in himself and his own good living. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. The one who penitently despairs of his own righteousness and relies completely on the atoning mercy of God in Christ is the one who is declared righteous. For Christ died for our sins and rose again the third day. Therefore, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. We come before our Lord this day asking for his mercy, and he graciously delivers it in his word and also the holy supper of his body and blood, which we delight to receive this day. And so in accordance with his word, he calls us all to be united in our confession of faith, not just concerning the supper, but also uh, the whole of what it is that we believe as his people. So therefore, those coming forward to the supper this morning, we do ask that you be members either of this congregation or of a sister congregation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, joining in that common confession of faith and receiving the Lord's body and blood. Our service this day is divine service setting four as it begins on page 203. And just to note, uh, the hymns listed on the hymn board are correct, mainly I'm pointing you to the final hymn. 557 uh, will be the last hymn, not as it is indicated in the bulletin, 577. So please take note of that and just follow the hymn board. We'll now sing our first hymn. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, always more ready to hear than we are to pray, and to give more than we either desire or deserve, pour down upon us the abundance of your mercy, forgiving those things of which our conscience is afraid, and giving us those good things that we are not worthy to ask, except through the merits and mediation of Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading for the 11th Sunday after Trinity is from Genesis chapter 4. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? 
And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken upon on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appeared to me, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 18th chapter. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, o Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The sermon text this day is based upon the Gospel lesson. You know, tax collectors, they were not well-liked, not in the least. In fact, at the time of the Roman Empire, tax collectors, they were despised members of society, especially in Jerusalem, Judea, and all the surrounding areas. Now, keep in mind, they're not like tax collectors in our country today. It's different. You see, today's tax collectors are largely, I guess what you'd call mid-level government bureaucrats who are just trying to do their jobs and earn a living. 
We may not like the thought of tax collectors, but you see, they're usually not evil people. They're more like your next door neighbors. However, the tax collectors in Israel during Jesus' lifetime, these were men who had betrayed their people in order to steal from them. They were mercenaries working for a repressive government, and they were paid very well for the betrayal of their own people. Now, my point is this. The tax collector in this parable, he had done some truly detestable things. He had earned the Pharisees' disgust and his anger, not to mention the disgust and the anger of the whole community. Now, though, let's look at that Pharisee. See, his problem was that he looked at the tax collector and saw him according to his sins, but not according to his need. He forgot that the purpose of the temple was to cleanse sinners, to restore sinful men to God's mercy, to receive the promise of God, that is the forgiveness of sins, through faith in that sacrifice and the one that they ultimately pointed to. The Lord's desire is that all, even the most vile and evil, would come to repentance and receive the salvation he has won for them. You see, the Pharisee, he had forgotten this, if he had ever known it at all. And he thought that he deserved to be there, and that his outward righteousness was an indication of God's favor. Well, it was in that false belief that, it was that false belief that damned the Pharisee. See, he went home condemned by God. Folks, not everyone ends up in heaven. That's not how it works. Not even all decent church-going people. Now, I'm well aware, as you most certainly are, that heaven is not only for Lutherans. And just because you have that title, Lutheran, next to your name, that doesn't mean that you'll be in heaven. The same goes for me. And not even all those who conscientiously tithe like the Pharisee will be there. You see, not only can you not work your way into heaven, you cannot buy your way in there either. And so this parable serves as a stern warning for us. The irony in this is that we don't realize that we are as quick to judge and dismiss the Pharisee as he was to judge and dismiss the tax collector. We see him as a self-righteous elitist. And you see that runs against our middle American temperament and ideals. We don't take well to smugness, putting on airs, or as people used to say, that holier-than-thou attitude. We also find it especially difficult to accept anyone who takes himself too seriously. Sometimes it seems as though the only virtue that our society knows today, besides, you know, what passes as tolerance nowadays, is that ability to laugh at oneself and to never be serious about much of anything. It kind of falls in line with something called Epicureanism. Life is all about pleasure. Don't take anything seriously. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we all die. So why not just laugh it up? We should, however, be sympathetic toward the Pharisee. Now, you heard me right, but listen before you pass judgment. And no doubt the Pharisee, had, he had issues in his life which we are not aware of. Imagine, for instance, how you would feel if you had to face the man who had beaten you up or humiliated you at work or had taken your wife. We don't know what this Pharisee was dealing with, but we do know that he was hurting. He was at the temple for a reason. We know that at some point this man's heart had been broken or that he had been betrayed. We know that it is likely that someone had slandered him, that he had been fearful or that he had felt shame and guilt and regret. Now, how do we know this, right? Because none of this is explicitly spoken of him. How is it that we can infer these things? Well, because God's word teaches us no temptation has overtaken you 
that is not common to man. Folks, we are all the same in ways like these, and because of that, well, we all need God's mercy. Think about it. Shouldn't we look at one another with a great deal more pity than we do, perhaps especially today? For instance, there are women in this world, perhaps some here this very morning, who secretly grieve a miscarriage. They don't do so publicly, but they are hurting. Is it any surprise if they're a bit short with you? And then there are men in this world, perhaps some here this morning, who struggle with an evil habit that no one knows about. Is it really that terrible if they don't notice you? If they don't come up to you like you're some kind of long-lost friend? There are people in this world who are dealing with mental illness, with abuse they suffered as a child, people who have terrible regrets, even nightmares, people who are lonely, depressed, and afraid. In a fallen world such as this one, everyone suffers to one extent or another. No one gets through this life without scars. You see, we are all the same. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. That means that not only are you not worse than other people, it also means that you are not better. The sympathy that you would desire from others is what you should offer to them. You see, from time to time we behave poorly. We are sinners after all. We would all like a little understanding and sympathy and perhaps the occasional pass even without being judged by others. Now, I'm not suggesting that sorrow or pain justifies bad behavior or that it justifies sinful choices. Absolutely not. Yet we would all have the world be, well, I guess just a little gentler with us at those times. We could start with ourselves. Instead of being annoyed or angry because someone was rude or cut us off in traffic or could do a better job of taking care of themselves, we might allow ourselves to be moved instead to pity and to kindness. In other words, we might just do unto others as we would have them do unto us. Now rest assured, we're not letting this Pharisee off the hook. His behavior was terrible and sinful. There's no doubt about that. He was obnoxiously self-righteous. He sought no mercy from God. He did not think he needed it, and so he went home damned. But there is also a positive example for us in this parable, and that, of course, is the tax collector of all people. Why? Well, he readily acknowledged his sin and was humble before God and man. He would not even lift his eyes up to heaven. He confessed his sin and simply asked for his mercy. And if you are paying attention this morning, the words of our confession and absolution... We're the same here. God be merciful to me, a sinner. In fact, in the Greek, this man literally asks God to make atonement for him. Now that is a prayer of repentant faith. You see, that is actually what the temple was all about. That God would make atonement for sinners. Again, those sacrifices all pointing to the ultimate sacrifice. The atonement for sin. Christ Jesus shedding his blood on the cross. That we might be forgiven and accounted righteous in God's sight. You see, that prayer, God be merciful to me a sinner, is the prayer of one who trusts in God's promise of atonement in Christ Jesus, the Messiah and Savior of messy and yet repentant sinners. The tax collector went home justified, forgiven, even though he was a scoundrel. You see, you don't have to be a public scoundrel, scoundrel like this tax collector in order to need mercy. You can be a private scoundrel. You can have secret sins and horrible thoughts and even be self-righteous like the Pharisee and still be one who is in need of God's mercy because we're all in need of God's mercy in Christ. And so thanks be to God that as we prayed in the collect, he is always more ready to hear than we to pray. 
and to give even more than we either desire or deserve, he is, in fact, eager to forgive, abundant in his mercy, loving both tax collectors with shameful pasts and, well, proud church-going people with secret sins. See, Christ died for your sins, every last one of them. There is not a sin you have committed that the blood of Jesus does not cover. You see, he rose again also for your justification. And he absolves you this very day. Christ restores you. Christ feeds you with his own body and blood, given and shed for the forgiveness, life, and salvation of your souls. Christ Jesus is the one that sends you home today justified. Now, mind you, not made perfect, not without memory of the past, not free yet from temptation, but justified. That is, declared righteous for the sake of his holy, innocent suffering and death on the cross. Your Savior and Lord sends you home accepted and loved by God. See, this truth is the very essence of the Christian faith. You don't come here to accept God. You come here because God has accepted you in Christ Jesus and washed you clean of your sin. The decision-making here is not yours for salvation. It is Jesus who has decided to save you. He has claimed you. He has washed you clean and made you his own. You are his forgiven child because he has made it so. And so then, we can rest in that mercy. Again, your Savior and Lord sends you home accepted and loved by God. See, this is also the very essence of the nature of God. As the psalmist says, his mercy endures forever. In the name of Jesus, amen. The peace of God which surpasses understanding, watch and guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For forgiveness of sins and help in temptation through, suffer, through the suffering and death of Christ, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the baptized, that as Cain's mark protected him despite his sin, we too might rejoice that holy baptism marks and protects us from spiritual harm despite our sin. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For our synod, its leaders, its organizations, and our congregation, that we may honor and follow God and dwell in him from everlasting to everlasting. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the faithful that each of us might joyfully serve as our brother's keeper, both in our earthly families and among our brothers and sisters in Christ, and that we might owe no one anything except to love each other. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For our land and its leaders, that those in authority would exercise it with wisdom and righteousness, and that God would restore harmony and peace the world over. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the sick and sorrowing, especially Ron Lyon, Ron Gibson, Bob Rash, Chuck Lichty, Erlene Lakey, Lisa Rash, and Ted Phillips, that in this fallen world God would give them not only temporal relief, but knowledge of the forgiveness of their sins and the constant hope of eternal life in Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this holy assembly and our communion, and for us to, to bear in our lives the fruits of the Spirit, and to do the good works for which we were created. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. All these things and whatever else you know that we need, grant us, Father, for the sake of him who died and rose again, and now lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.
Well, once again, good morning and welcome to you all on this, uh, this rainy day. We give thanks to God, of course, for the rain. A look ahead at the announcements for this week. Of course, Sunday School and Bible Study of the following the service this Tuesday. New member class continues at 7. And uh, it's been flexible with the scheduling of that with the folks in the class. So if you've been hearing, well, they're on Monday. Well, they're on this day. With the school year started, we're just trying to make it work as we come in here to the home stretch of our new member classes. Uh, this Wednesday at 9 a.m., Lutheran Confession Study Group, uh, and then uh, at 6 p.m., the workout class in the auditorium. Now, it's also, I'll mind you, and I'll turn it over to Ian when I'm done talking here, um, that it's our Christian Education Sunday, so we're going to be distributing Bibles and catechisms to our third graders this day. We have a great joy of passing on the Word of God and the pure teaching of the Word of God to our children as they continue to grow in their baptismal grace uh, and, um, and continue to grow in Christ. I had mentioned something about that in the newsletter, so please see that. Uh, also, as we continue here, um, of course, we have our Oktoberfest coming up on September 11th at 5.30. That's here at Trinity. We've invited our brothers and sisters in Christ from Carrollton and also from Richmond to join us for that. And there's still time to volunteer. There are two sign-up sheets uh, out in the glass case. Uh, one as it pertains to desserts and the other as it pertains to the rest of what is uh, still needed. So um, please see those. And also the midweek school and confirmation class, they begin on September 7th, and we are very much looking forward to that. Anything I may have missed? All right, well, God's peace be with you in the coming week. I'll uh, invite Ian Davidson forward here as he has some Bibles and catechisms to distribute to our eager third graders. So have you come on up. <laughs> 